Bible studies show. Whoa, what up is Ruth? And she fell on her face. Oh no. <laughs> okay, so she and Ruth are kicking it in Bethlehem to come unto a people. Oh my which God. Which the Lord. So she's like, don't text him. Wash thyself therefore and anoint thee. I'm surprised. Because it's weird. Good thing I have the whole Bible memorized. Um, so I'm going to tell you. <laughs> if I can't finish the Angela Anaconda theme song, <laughs> then why did I show up today? <laughs> All right, I'm sorry. Continue, please, from the top. I only need to finish it. Right. Take it from the middle. Stuck up their face knot. And now <laughs> time for the show. Starring me, Angela Anaconda, and not Nini Kuna in that man war. Right. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Angela. Well, you still need to introduce oh, For all of the millennials who are close enough to Canada, they are laughing right now. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, and welcome to Bibleish, the podcast where we tell Bible stories. I'm Lily. I'm Angela. And neither of us are religious experts, but we aren't here to tell you a moral. We're here to tell you a story. At Bibleish, we're serving up equal parts epic tale, summary, and drunk literary analysis. We are not here to preach, so get ready to hear these stories in a brand new way. Also, uh, we definitely do not believe in doing these stories in order. So if you are looking for that, <laughs> you have to read the Bible yourself. Um, but we do have a complete list of episodes on our patreon which you can join for as little as a dollar a month our patreon is our community where our incredible patrons support the show keep the show going frankly and also in return get some really fun perks like access to our complete list of episodes spanning all the way back to the beginning of bible-ish as well as as well as stickers and um, postcards and all kinds of fun things so you can join us over there at patreon.com slash Bibleish podcast. That's patreon.com slash Bibleish podcast. And this week is the, the end, end of, of Jezebel. Jezebel. So before we begin, I have a question for you, Angela. Oh, is that so Lillian? Are you ready to become a star? Ah. <laughs> Are you ready to become a star? <laughs> I'm casting you as the lead role. Wow. You'll be playing Jezebel herself, but not only Jezebel, Jezebel throughout her entire life. Oh my goodness. Starting as a kitten child. Oh my balls. Moving to her adolescence, her adulthood, and then culminating in her seniority. Oh. Are you ready? Cans! Do yes. you accept the role? Yes. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> oh my gosh, thank you guy who just walked in to help direct this. <laughs> I was thinking Angela should play her. Yeah, that's what everyone's been saying in the industry for a while now. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> They've people have actually threatened to strike if I didn't get the part. So, <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm oh, I'm so glad we could avoid that. Yeah, I'm I'm like honored, but it's also just like it's justified, you know. <laughs> <laughs> So you accept the role of Jezebel. Yes. All right. Unconditionally, even though I sense that it's going to mean some trouble. This this is how I'm telling the story. I'm going to be narrating her final day. Okay. During that day, she has flashbacks to her past. Ooh. And we will be acting out those flashbacks. Angela, you are playing the role of Jezebel. You begin as a small child. Hello. And then you become a teenager. Hello. Then an adult. Uh, Hello. And a senior. Hello. Perfect. I can see Did I convey age? (laughs) (laughs) So for our listeners and Angela, we are going to be weaving through time, but that is um, the breakdown. Cool. That's very cool, Lily. Yeah. It's very cool and fun. Very cool and fun and interactive. Yeah. Well. So let's just take a little sippy sip. My alcoholic lacroix. <laughs> and we'll begin. Jezebel stood staring out her bedroom window, her eyes skimming the rooftops of Jezreel. She had come to love this city, her city, even though it was so different than where she had been brought up. She thought she wouldn't be able to bear not being able to see the ocean, but Jezreel made up for it during sunrise and sunset. Something about the dirt here made the buildings change colors during the hours of blue and gold. Same with the hills that surrounded them. The northern kingdom of Israel was magic, growing a city in spite of itself. She knew who and what was coming for her that day. And she could not help but think of the little girl, her younger self, who had wanted this so badly. The little princess did not have hair of gold and a complexion like snow. She had almond skin, shocking green eyes, and thick black hair that could not be tamed no matter how many of her attendants tried their hand at plating it. Her eyes were wide and roving as if she looked everywhere all at once, almost like a frog's. Princess Jezebel, you get over here right now, young lady. Can't catch me. No, and I don't mean to. Here, now, or you'll have your father to deal with. Jezebel came over to her promptly. Is it true about how my dad became king? And what have you heard of it? That he's a king slayer. Do you know what that means? Jezebel nodded with a slow confusion that made it very evident she did not know what that meant. Does it matter how he became king? Her guardian asked. If he's a good king. Jezebel thought about this for a moment. She supposed it didn't matter, but then again, in all his wars, how many people died, and how many people did he rule? 
Surely, if more had died than the number of people he ruled, then it wouldn't be worth it. But what sort of people were they, the dead ones? Her guardian could see her mind running in circles, and she interrupted. Let's try to get your hair sorted out for the ceremony tonight, shall we? Jezebel hated having her hair detangled. It hurt, and it never lasted long, so she very rarely let someone comb it. But tonight was a solstice celebration, and she liked dressing up to go to the temple. It made her feel like she was part of something old, a secret that would share itself someday. As a comb broke through her hair, she said, I want to be a priestess when I grow up. And why do you want to be a priestess? Because they're powerful and everyone listens to them. Your father is powerful too, and he's not a priestess. No, he can't be a priestess. He's not a girl. But a king is more powerful than a priestess. No, because daddy listens to them when they give him prophecies. But they have to listen to him too. Well, maybe I will be both then. A king and a priestess? I don't know about that. People who are powerful are in danger of others. Not if I rule well and make everyone happy. You'll never make everyone happy, no matter how hard you try. But maybe I could. Jezebel's thoughts came back to the room. And she turned from the window toward the bed where her servant had so lovingly laid her finest garments, jewelry, and a wig out for her. She had begged Jezebel to let her dress her, but she refused. She wanted to do it herself. She fingered the golden pieces and took up the silk in her hands. The last time she had worn that piece of silk was when she had first met Ahab. Jezebel was wearing the most beautiful silk she had ever seen in her life. Since her father had become king, he had conquered a large portion of the surrounding territories and taken its spoils. In her adolescence, she had begun to resent her father for all the treasures he openly flaunted. She knew that every new hall was from some place that left hundreds of dead behind. She would have never cared enough to even have the thought if it hadn't been for that moment in her youth when she began to tally her father's dead. Did it matter how he became king, how he stayed king, if he was a good ruler? This is the thought that plagued her for years, ever since she'd been asked. I don't want to wear this foreign silk. Your father insisted. Does he have nothing better to do as king than dress his teenage daughter? Don't pretend this isn't important. I just don't feel comfortable wearing all these stolen goods. I'm sorry you feel uncomfortable being so rich. They both glared at each other momentarily. You know what I mean. As do you, princess. You're nervous. Of course I'm nervous. Your father wouldn't betroth you to just anyone. He thinks more of you than you do of him, you know. Oh, is that why I'm being sold off? Oh, 
poor little princess who has to go and marry a king to solidify an alliance for peace. Why are you being so rough with me? I only seek some sympathy. Well, you won't get it from me. Your father has accomplished a great deal. There are rulers who have the luxury of living in peace, and then there are the rulers who help ensure it for the future. Your father is the latter. Maybe you and your husband will be lucky enough to rule in peace, but it will be at the expense of everything your father has done. You remember that. That evening, she met Ahab for the first time, and they took a turn about the courtyard as everyone gawked. Their union was historic, a diplomatic and economic accomplishment. The members of her household beamed but the members of his own looked on in spite. I'm sorry to have to ask, but is this not something your family wanted? My family? Yes. Very much so. It's the judges who are against it. The judges? They're like priests, I suppose, but with political influence. They used to rule before the one god anointed a king. Now my lineage is blessed, but honestly, it feels more like a curse. Jezebel was intrigued by this, and by him. She found him charming. He also resented his lineage, which attracted her to him. They could be the rulers they wanted to be, not beholden to their predecessors or their gods, who were quite different. Is it really against your religion to marry me? Sort of, yes. And you want to do it anyway? I do. This alliance will be good for all of us. And you know what else? No. What? I think you might be the most fascinating girl I've ever met. And what will your god think? I suppose he can anoint someone else if he has to. <laughs> Young love. <laughs> Jehoram! That's how I clear my throat. <laughs> Perfect. Jezebel realized she was still clutching the silk, but staring at the bed. It was the same bed she had shared with Ahab. Every morning, she'd be up at sunrise. As she watched Jezreel come into view through the window, she would whisper to Ahab all the wonderful things he would do that day, all the plans he had for his kingdom. They were not, in fact, his plans. Ahab very rarely had plans of his own, but when he did, they were of the utmost importance to him and him alone. Jezebel would ensure that they came into fruition for two reasons. Reason one, she loved her husband, really and truly. Reason two, she wanted to keep him happy so she could continue to rule. Both of them were content with this arrangement. Ahab would allow her to make decisions for himself as well as the kingdom, and he would rarely disagree with her except for one time. The biggest fight they ever had after the pyre challenge. We can't show weakness. We can't back down now. What do you mean? Did you not just see what we all saw? Yes, and it could have been a trick. A trick. 
How? How could they have lit a fire with wet wood just by summoning him? I don't know, but this isn't over, Ahab. They want... It is. It is over. You have been killing priests and judges for years, and I let you because my god never showed himself to me, but now... My god? Don't tell me you believe now. Baal has shown himself to me time and time again, to both of us. He couldn't be bothered with this little game your priest set up. That does not make him false. After everything I've told you, everything you've heard and seen, you don't believe in him at all. I don't believe in a god that doesn't believe in me. What do you mean if he made you? Maybe he did, but he did not make what I made. I have Baal to thank for that, and myself. Jezebel slowly started to dress herself in her finery. Last, she placed the wig on her head, cold her eyes, and returned to the window. She could hear a commotion in the streets. She had married into this place, inheriting its people. She was not a selfish ruler, although her attire had been far from humble. Her marriage had broadened their kingdom's influence, and she cast it out like a net to catch new trade and land opportunities, bolstering the economy. She and Ahab had felt invincible together, and their northern kingdom of Israel could have been a new Damascus, just as they had dreamed. If it hadn't been for the drought, which introduced a new era of war and opposition. When she and Ahab were courting, she remembered him saying that God could go ahead and anoint someone else if he had to. So why didn't he just do it? Why did he have to destroy him too? She remembered Ahab always feeling like he and his family had been cursed. Maybe they had been. Suddenly, she heard a group of people beneath her window, and one called out to her as two eunuchs from her court entered the room behind her. Jezebel! Well, well, well. I take it you're the new Zimri? How far into your seven days of ruling are you? Not too far along, I hope. I am Jehu, anointed by God himself. Jezebel let loose a devilish grin. And why have you brought your curse to my doorstep? You murdered our priests and defiled our covenant. Well, they had the strangest notion that I could not rule. As you can see from the crown on my head, they were quite wrong. You will lead my people away from our God. Your people? You've been a king for, what, two days? I have ruled Jezreel for years. These are my people. You think I will abandon them so easily? Who is with me? I say, who is with me? All of a sudden, Jezebel felt hands on her upper arms. It was the eunuchs. She could hear her ladies' maids crying out in the background for them to let her go. Do you remember Elisha in the pyre, Jezebel? Your God was not with you on that day, but maybe he will come for you now to give you wings. Jezebel was pushed from the window of her bedroom. 
Her silk wrap trailed behind her, like a hand reaching up toward the place she once stood. I very much hate to tell you this. It is, of course, my wish that she died on impact, but as any morbid person knows, you have to be at least six stories up for that, and I am pretty sure that sort of engineering was not present in the architecture of the time. Needless to say, she hit the ground and was injured enough to bleed. A pack of starving dogs smelled the blood and descended on her. Jehu had let himself inside to muffle her screams. He helped himself to her food and drink to distract him from her cries. After he was full and the screams had died away, he dabbed the corners of his mouth and told the soldiers who were with him to go and collect her body for burial, saying that she is the daughter of a king after all. They returned to him shaking their heads. There was nothing left but her skull, hands, and feet. Jehu's face let slip a small grin. It was just as Elijah had said all those years ago. On the plot of ground at Jezreel, dogs will devour Jezebel's flesh. Her body will be like refuse on the ground so that no one will be able to say, this is Jezebel. But that was Jezebel, and we still know her. She does not need a grave site to be a notable character, not only in this book, but in history as well. We know she was no friend of the Jewish faith. She killed a lot of priests, ruthlessly, and built or converted a number of temples to mirror her own faith. She was a priestess who worshipped both Baal and Asherah and was extremely devout, making a conversion of faith difficult. She was often called a prostitute, which she was not. This is a degradation of both character and pagan worship. We've discussed sacred prostitution in previous episodes. It's one of Angela's favorite favorite subjects. <laughs> Maybe she'll grace us with a sacred pos- prostitution mini episode. <gasps> mini episode. Mini episode. Yeah. <laughs> mini episode. <laughs> Baal was a fertility god, so, you know, sex was probably a good way to get his attention and worship him as well. She may or may not have participated, but she was head of the temples that did. Another thing that made a conversion of faith difficult was that her husband's faith would have been a political and spiritual demotion for her. To be clear, I'm not saying Judaism is a lesser faith at all. What I am saying is that she could not have been a priestess and been allowed into the inner sanctums of the faith both physically and spiritually. She would not have been seen as a spiritual leader, and she definitely 
would not have been seen as a political leader, especially after her husband died. As I said before, she was no friend to the Jewish faith. She is cast as a villain for this in the Bible for obvious reasons, but that does not mean she was not a good ruler. The example we used the last time was Elizabeth I, who is considered to be one of the greatest female rulers in human history. She ushered in a whole new age. She also killed a lot of Catholic priests. But her reputation was not overshadowed by this quite like Jezebel's has been. So let's try to keep in mind, not only when we think about her, but when we think about all these characters. Who lives, who dies? Who lives, who dies, who tells our story? (laughs) Anyway, that's the story of my cat. The small <laughs> demon I worship who lives inside my house. And I hate dogs. <laughs> and I fucking hate dogs so much. They're so dumb and gross. And I can't even believe I can't even believe that. <laughs> she really does. <laughs> she really does and always has. And would kick them in and about the head if she gets the chance. Hates dogs so much. <laughs> and I'm sorry, but can we just get a round of applause? Insert a round of applause okay. here when you're editing. <laughs> For Angela, who was amazing. I'm all as the Jezebels. Jezebel. Angela did not even see that script until just when she read it. That's how fucking talented she is. That's so nice of you, Lily Beads. Um, that was a very, very great script. I was really, really fun also as well. I'm glad. I love you baby had Jezebel. Fun. So right? <laughs> but so maybe cute. I'll be both. <laughs> <laughs> but um <laughs> Okay, but I'll be King Pope. <laughs> Can't catch me. Okay. So there. <laughs> it was really cool though. I mean, I you just don't Listen, folks, you can't find this kind of stuff anywhere else. Um, <laughs> but it's true. That's why we have a Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> no, but for real Z's, because you really pulled out and also fill in without, I don't ever think, overstepping um, what makes this character really special, regardless of, you know, there are plenty of characters in the Bible who commit crimes. Okay. Yes. Criminals. So we're not judging even, her for um, that. Ju- Jewish criminals. Oh yeah, so many criminals, all kinds, even God. <laughs> He's not exempt. <laughs> so all I'm saying is, I'm not condoning some of her choices and things she did, but I'm just saying, as a character and a ruler, deserves to be told that way. And this was really, really cool and really awesome to see all of her different. Phases. I'm so glad that you enjoyed it and yeah. that I could make it. Yeah. She is um, such a significant character, not only just for me, but for the Bible itself. First of all, as we know, and as a lot of our listeners know, women are not often mentioned by name. First of all. Second of all, they're not mentioned more than once, typically. And she is a named, reoccurring character. So that is 
definitely something to pay a nod to. Yeah. You know, she was probably historically significant, but, um, who lives, who dies, who tells you story. <laughs> and she didn't deserve to be defenestrated. She didn't deserve. Yes. Word of the day. She did not deserve to be defenestrated. Defenestrated. Uh, You'll thrown, use it in a sentence. <laughs> thrown, propelled, or fallen from a window or high place. Defenestrated. Can you use it in a sentence? This guy started to mansplain the company to me, and I defenestrated myself out <laughs> of the six-story window. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Well, Lily, thank you for telling this story in such an artful and engaging way. This was very fun. Even if it's hard. Thank you for. Sad. I know. Thank you for listening and participating and paying her such a a wonderfully talented tribute, Angela. Can't catch me. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was my pleasure. Thank you, Lillian, and thank you so much for listening. I hope that you guys enjoyed this, um, and have an even better understanding of Jezebel as a character, because I think she deserves that much. Yeah. Yeah. If you enjoyed the episode today, if you've been a fan of the podcast, whether it's, this is your first episode or maybe your 10th or maybe your hundredth, we would love to have your support on Patreon at patreon.com slash Bible podcast. Patreon is as many of you would know, a really great platform where you can support your favorite creators and, for us, our Patreon actually really helps keep the show going. Um, and also in exchange, you not only get access to our complete library of episodes for free, but also fun perks like stickers or a wine chalice or a t-shirt or any other number of fun things by also supporting us. So all you have to do is go to patreon.com slash Bibleish podcast. That's patreon.com slash Bibleish podcast and join the Bibleish fam. For as little as a dollar a month. Again, we are not here to mock or glorify the Bible. We are just two modern, modern day, day ladies trying to wrap our heads around an ancient text. Thank you for listening. Thanks so much for listening. Goodbye. Bye.